0: Well, folks, from time to time, I take a detour in the show here and try to bring on a guest that's got some great experiences and and real impactful stories to share with us. And Today, I think, is one of those days, so we are going to dive right in.
1: You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host,
0: Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Hello again everyone. This is Leadership Powered by Common Sense. My name is Doug Thorpe and I'm going to be your host and tour guide and uh today like I said we're going to be exploring some lessons learned in the trenches. I always love that story there's there's no value like proven experience. My guest is a gentleman named Tom Caresti. He is a proven uh, Fortune 500 CEO. I'm going to let him describe some of that. But uh, first, Tom, welcome to the show.
1: Doug, thanks so much for having me.
0: You and I share one uh, common thread, and probably some others that we haven't even talked about yet. Uh, we're we're both uh, John Maxwell guys. We subscribe to a lot of his uh, teaching and learnings. And uh, how long have you been following Maxwell?
1: i met john in 2002 and he is now i I used to have a house in palm beach gardens down in florida and uh john at that time was an occasional guest speaker at this church called christ fellowship yeah um that's where i first met him in i think it was about maybe january or february of 2002 he had just launched his book today matters um it's kind of funny story uh i we we kind of go off on a tangent to all my stories because i i got all these stories but uh we had bought a house you know kathy and i and our kids were living in england at the time and uh we wanted to you know, we we're spending a lot of money on the, all these crazy vacations every year and kathy said hey let's buy a house in the u.s give the kids a sense of belonging so we ended up buying something in palm beach gardens florida because it was a relatively short flight from uh the uk to uh to florida, and, uh, you know, the kids loved it. They had tennis camps and all kinds of old stuff for them. And I, you know, was working. So I only maybe got there maybe 10 weekends, maybe one week, two weeks of vacation a year. Uh, and at the time in Christ Fellowship, there was this great preacher who's retired now, Tom Mullins, he, they call, he used to call Coach, uh, Coach Tom. And he was a fantastic preacher. And I remember showing up at Christ Fellowship that day and you know, well, you know, Tom is not speaking today. We have a guest speaker. And I was like, oh man, I really, you know, I'm really looking forward to Tom speaking all the time because he's so dynamic and so, you know, encouraging. And then, oh, who's this John Maxwell speaking? I don't know who he is. <laughs> and then I heard John and um, he, again, he just launched his book and and he said uh, something so simple, but so profound. My mind almost blew up. He said, uh, you know, yesterday's over and uh, don't dwell on it. There's nothing you can do about it. You can learn from it, but can't change yesterday and hey guess what by the way tomorrow's overrated uh so really the only thing you got is today and today matters uh in fact what you do today will determine what you will work be working on tomorrow because if you get today right tomorrow you can go on to something bigger and better but if you get today wrong you'll tomorrow you'll be kind of redoing today's mistakes um and it was just so simple um but so profound i was like man this guy's on to something i really enjoyed and if you've ever heard John speak in your head, you feel like you're having a dialogue with this guy, right? He, he's, he's on stage, he's speaking, but you're in the audience listening to John and and in your head, you're having a dialogue with him. He, he connects, is a master connector with the audience. So uh, yeah, I, I love John.
0: Really is. Yeah. One of the most, he is a very prolific author. And one of the things i discovered, discovered this, this is going to sound like a show plugging John Maxwell. And I'm not ashamed <laughs> to do that. I mean, the guy's a, a definite thought leader in the field of leadership. When, um, when I heard that he had all his books out and I, I don't know, I've lost count. I last 28 or 30 or 60, or I don't know, there's, there's a lot, but <laughs> what I was worried about when I started buying a couple and checking them out, you know, some guys get on a thread of thought and they'll put out six or eight books. But when you get them, you're hearing the same thing, just regurgitated with a little different spin. John stuff doesn't do that. I mean, he he weaves a thread through a lot of his books and he'll make some references, but that's it. I mean, every book is a new thought. A, a new idea. And, um, I, I think that's, that's a gift <laughs> when you can put out that much content and be able to do it that way, not to digress, but I, I have my own John Maxwell meeting story. I, I met him at one of the IMTs, his big annual, uh confab that he does there in Florida, you know, about 3000 people gathered to, to uh, participate for a three-day workshop. And, um, it, I'll say to the audience listening: If you've ever been invited but haven't pulled the trigger on doing that, it's worth your time. <clears throat> whether whether you drink the Kool Aid or or you know <laughs> subscribe to anything, just those three days will be some level of life changing for you. I promise. So um anyway, I was there at the conference and I was excited to be there. We had gotten through about a day and a half and. Uh, during one of the breaks, I go tooling into the men's room and lo and behold, who's there. There's John standing there, <laughs> which, what a uh, place to meet him, which, uh, which proves we're all human. Right. And, right. Uh, and, and we sit there and we have that awkward moment, uh, shake hands. No, we're not going <laughs> to, uh, you know, hi, how are you? And, and we did talk. And so, uh, that, uh, that, that's my John Maxwell story, but great guy, heart of gold. And, uh, Really a passion to serve people and and enrich lives, so um, it it's worth the read and follow his videos, find his video stuff. But enough of John. So let's get back to uh, to your story, uh, Tom. Tell us a little bit about your journey. I, I know it's full and rich. Give give us the uh, uh, the thirty thousand foot view. Thirty thousand foot view. Uh...
1: It's taken some time to get to where I am now, uh, but I encourage every one of you listeners to answer these three questions for themselves. And my life's journey has been really just trying to find out what these three answers for myself were. Uh, in fact, it took a while just to understand why I ask these questions. Uh, but the first question every individual should be able to answer for themselves is, is who are you? you know, and that really gets to your character uh you know what are your values um and and who are you as an individual and the answer took a while for me to to um to come to a realization of it but i i am a servant leader uh that's who i describe myself um and then uh you know the second question is what are you passionate about and i passionate about you know making products better making companies better making people better uh, you know, adding value to my customers. So it really is, is again, that servant mind leadership. It's not about me. It's about something much bigger than me, whether they be making a company better, making products better or making uh, people better. And, and the third question is, what are you good at? And I'm pretty good at mentoring and I'm pretty good at leading. Um, so once I got clarity on that, um, and if you imagine a bent circle, you know, where those three circles intersect, then you will lead a successful, or uh, I would say, you know, an, an accomplished life where you're living your calling. So, you know, some people have jobs, some people have careers and other people have callings and it took me a while to figure out what my calling is, but answering those three questions helped me un- identify that calling. Um, so I encourage everybody to do that. Uh, you know, early on in my career, I wasn't a server leader. I was a self-centered leader. I was I was always a leader, so for some reason, um, there's uh, whenever there's a leadership vacuum, in, and I'm sure if you've come across instances where you're in a situation and and there's a lack of leadership there, and I just have a tendency to always dive in. I always take a leadership role, and uh, but historically, when I was much younger, it was more for self-serving uh, purpose uh, rather than a servant leader uh, purpose. Uh, so it took me a while to. To figure out it's not about myself but it's about something much bigger than me and uh, once i understood that then i became a much
0: much much better leader i think that's powerful so say those three questions again who are you what is your passion and what are you good at who are you what is your passion and what are you good at very, very impactful and profound questions. And I, I am frequently surprised as I engage with some of my leader clients that they've not yet done that work. They've not really asked that question. Either nobody's challenged them or just somewhere, somehow in their environment that they grew up in, whether it be personal at home or in corporate settings never really challenged to ask those questions. So a lot of them are driven by the work they do. Um, Many of my listeners have heard this story, but uh, pardon me if it's a repeat, but I'm gonna just hit it quickly. In 2008, when we had the big financial crisis, I turned my side, I felt a calling in my community to start a nonprofit that was helping job seekers people that had lost their jobs. And there was a gap in, in the geography around the Houston area. I'm in the far Southwest. And so there was no such organization in my community. So I started one, kind of like you said, fill the gap, see a gap, fill the gap and started. so we started coaching people about career transition. And inevitably I would ask somebody, and I was careful to word the question, tell me something about yourself. And what did people answer? I'm an engineer, I'm an accountant, I'm a finance guy, I'm a bookkeeper, you know, and it's like, and I would shake my head and go, no, you haven't told me anything about who you are. And so that, you know, that led a a process that we coached people through to start first with identifying that purpose, that, that connection of who am I, why am I here and where am I going?
1: well it's you know especially you know executives they put so much of themselves into their job um and and you're 100 percent right you know you ask them look what is it that you do yeah i'm an accountant i'm an engineer i'm you know that's what you do that's not who you are but that's what you do um but many of us uh including myself early on my career you know my identity was wrapped up in what i did what my job was um and um you know that 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 kind of distance itself. Uh, And it really took me getting fired for the first time. And and by the way, it's okay to get fired for your audience. You know, everybody, you know, you read all these articles, you know, this person is going on to bigger and better things or pursuing self, you know, pursuing other career interests, whatever, all that means is a nice way of saying that, (laughs) that, you know, they they didn't find a fit with the company. So um, in in fact, look, uh, in my generation, uh, the, an individual probably had about three, job changes or career changes in 10 years and that was acceptable uh today i mean you know i see cvs and resumes and there's 18 like, months you know, three, yeah, yeah it, it's the average so uh no, nothing to be ashamed about you know somebody firing it just means that look you know that relationship didn't work out and some people quit some people got fired i mean it doesn't matter but again that's just what you do it's not who you are uh, and when you go into your next job, um, you know, just kind of focus on on who you are, not not what
0: you do. Well, another way of looking at that it and and I would uh, I would agree with you totally if if you're in the leadership game and you've elevated into various rungs in the ladder of succession in whatever business you're in or business you created, even uh, it's inevitable. It comes with the territory. there's gonna be some combination of events that's going to lead to somebody deciding you need to be the one going out the door not everybody else uh steve jobs got fired from the company he created you know yep. there was one round of that of course he later was invited back Is is all infamous but i had to wrestle with that too in my career i'd i'd strung together a 15-year career of successful promotion in the leadership chain at the bank i worked for and then all of a sudden one day my boss walked in and said we're making changes you're out and i said what does that mean you know what (laughs) what did i do and he said it's not about doing anything we're just making changes we're here's options blah 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 here's what we're doing and it's like okay well and uh, it was it was classic execution they gave me notice on a friday and i had the weekend to ponder what i really wanted to do and i spent first 24 hours being really angry about it and then uh i'm i'm a man of faith so i turned my e- energy to prayer and the answer that came back to me was it's part of the ball game dude you know you you go to bat, you're gonna strike out every now and then. So uh this is your first. You had a good run, fifteen years this is the first time, it's not over. You got a lot of gas in the tank. Go make the best of whatever's there. So and look,
1: you know, through diversity comes opportunity. And uh, you know, that that's what happened to me through the, to that diversity. Um, you know, it took me kind of about two two weeks, like you took maybe twenty four hours. It took me about two weeks to um get my, you know, head wrapped around actually what happened and what am I going to do? And, and that's when I decided to ask myself those questions and, and really come to the realization that, uh, I should brand myself. And, and I, because I was in, you know, brand, I worked for a brand, uh, consumer brand company. So I knew a lot about branding and marketing. I said, okay, well, how am I going to market myself? How am I going to brand myself? Uh, so I started asking myself some of those, you know, the questions of, of who I am and, What's my passion and what am I good at? Uh, which allowed me to really build a brand around myself and and really rockish, you know, rock uh, launch my my career uh after that one job and really accelerate getting into the C-suite. Uh, you know, maybe if that incident doesn't happen, maybe I never make it to the C-suite because it's more a conservative, you know, uh job and you know, middle level management, maybe you know, higher level management, but maybe I never make it to the top. Uh, but what it allowed me, and it, it forced me to take a look at myself and ask the, and answer those questions, and and really brand myself, and and really launch my what I would call my expat career.
0: Well, let's um, let's talk about that for a minute. That personal branding, I do get asked that question from time to time, and and as I referred to, part of my experience in career coaching with people led me to the. Um, very firm belief in helping people figure out that personal brand. And it it's not limited to that point of transition where you have to change jobs, change companies, but there's even something to be said internal to a, a business you're in about identifying that brand and being able to have that discussion. So talk to us a little more about uh, the the elements of that as, as you processed it.
1: So look, let, let's, uh, let's take an, an example of, of two brands. Uh, they're both healthy brands. They're very different, right? They're both athletic uh, companies. One is called Puma. The other one is called Nike. Um, they are, they're very different. They kind of, they kind of make both athletic uh, equipment and you can't say, you know, one's more successful than the other. But what you can say is they stand for different things. So Nike's uh, vision statement is we, uh, we unleash human potential and puma's vision statement is we're the fastest brand on earth Uh, and it kind of identifies who they are so so puma is all about speed so they you know at one time they signed usain bolt who was the fastest man on earth they had michael schumacher who was the fastest you know Formula driver so you know their products are all about speed uh so you know the idea is is when you buy a puma product you're going to be one of the you know it's all going to be about speed while, you know, Nike takes a different approach, they have a much broader portfolio, and it's about unleashing human potential. Not one answer is right. It's just, you know, the answer is for that particular company. So when you do some soul searching, you know, you kind of look at yourself, okay, what am I about? Right? And uh, when I looked at myself, I said, look, well, Uh, you know, what am I good at? Well, I'm pretty good at starting up companies and turning companies around. You know, if I looked at my career before that one change over the 15 years, about every three years, I was getting a promotion like yourself, um, inside that one, you know, company. And I always find myself, I was either starting something up or I was fixing something, you know, all all the jobs, and uh, so I said, okay, well, you know, I'm pretty good at uh, starting stuff up. Uh, I, by that time I started up one company, Greenfield. Uh, I turned around a couple of departments and and then I became, you know, a, a startup turnaround specialist in emerging markets. And that's how I branded myself. Uh, again, um, getting into that leadership f- flavor of it, where I said, okay, well, it's not just about that, but how do I do that? Well, I do that through servant leadership, right? and and who do i do it for well i do it for you know either companies or uh for brands or or etc so that's how i branded myself and that worked for me you know that may not work for everybody not everybody may be a servant leader not everybody may be a turnaround specialist or a uh, uh a, a startup specialist so that's how i branded myself and it works for me
0: i like that And again, I I think in my experience, I see people that have kind of gotten on the train and and just taken the ride and maybe their choices about job opportunities doesn't have a a particular pattern to it or particular consistency. It's just the next great opportunity that opens up and they jump at it. And on one hand, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think in the, in the spirit of talking about leadership, I, I think there's a lot to be said for being able to be intentional about the direction you want to go and, and how you want to apply what feels like your natural or, or developed talents in that realm. Absolutely. Let, let me ask you one thing, Tom. Um, a lot of debate in the certainly in academia is leadership born or bred <laughs> uh
1: b- both uh look th- there is uh and i found this out the first time i took a, a myers and briggs test right um you know i was an estj i think or an esti i'm not sure which one but uh, and i've taken myers and briggs lsi strength finders disc assessment you know over throughout the years and it it's different wording but it kind of pretty much comes down to the same thing of what my leadership style is um and when i first took that they said look you know um the majority of ceos are estjs right so so part of that is is your dna but the good news is is that you can um, learn um, and train yourself on on leadership uh i would say skills right uh, you know, we, we are all born with some gifts and uh, we should, you know, utilize those gifts and those may not be leadership gifts. Uh, but if you, but if you have some former leadership foundation, um, you can become uh, through investing in yourself a much better leader over time. Uh, and, and academia doesn't do any good. I mean, you know, academia is great at training people, uh, be good at what they do, not be good at who they are. I mean, if you followed, you know, kind of get back to those two questions we spoke about a few minutes ago is, is, you know, who are you and what do you do? Academia is great at teaching you what you do. You know, they, they're great at teaching you to become a good CPA, a good accountant, a good engineer, a good salesperson, a good marketer you know, et cetera. Right. Um, the finding out about who you are really happens uh, between the classes in a university. You know, finding out, you know, about your leadership role, you know, that, that happens at, you know, are you a, you know, a fraternity brother, you know, are you uh, not only are you a member of fraternity, but do you become the leader of the fraternity? Um, you know, are you on a sports team? Are you, are you a captain of your, you know, football team or your baseball team on your tennis team? Um, you know, th- those are the intangibles where you learn out, you learn about who you are. Uh, and academia is great at teaching you, you know, at, at what you know. And, you know, academia uh, should take it a lot more serious to teach you uh, more about who you are, uh, not just about what you do. And, uh, you know, for example, uh, you know, there's, uh, there, you're starting to see uh, classes in in, in in business about, you know, business integrity uh, and, and stuff like that. But that, that's few or far in between.
0: Yeah, I've had the same observation and in what I'll call a very unscientific survey that I've been collecting over the last couple of years, I I do hear about, at the university level, programs, particularly the ones business-oriented, they are doing things with having whole units, you know, three-hour block here, three-hour block there, on leadership understanding leadership and it, it and it actually to the credit of those that are doing it it goes beyond management 101 i mean i was a business major in school and i took probably a half dozen so-called management courses you know and they were different levels and different things but they weren't leadership it by no means was it leadership based and now at least some of those programs have been augmented and and they do open the can on the topic of leadership as a separate thing. Let, let me ask you, and with all your background and experience, how would you define the difference between management and leadership?
1: <laughs> I'll just quote my friend and your friend, John, right? Management is doing things right. Leadership is doing the right things. Um, you know, it's a simple, but provocative statement and, you know, uh, management basically allows you to manage people and manage a process, uh, versus leadership to say, okay, what, what's the direction, uh, you know, where are we going as a company? You know, what's our vision, what's our culture? Uh, do I have the right set of individuals on my team? Um, you know, h- how, do you form a highly functioning team? uh so it, it's really about making those tough decisions you know rather than saying oh here's a process it, it works well uh let's put tom in charge of it and uh let him run it for the next two or three years right uh, and i find that out you know when and there's actually a title you know the, you can be a general manager or you could be a ceo and 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 those um the, the way you approach those two positions is very different As a general manager, you do certain things. um, But as a CEO, you have to do very different things.
0: Yeah, very good. Well, Tom, on that note, we're going to take a commercial break. It's time, and we're going to continue this right after this message. Business is all about solving complex problems as fast as you can create them. Become the best problem solver by leading others to greatness, too. And the first step is going to DougThorpe.com. Doug Thorpe is known globally for coaching entrepreneurs and business leaders, improving their performance and the work output of everyone surrounding them. You can find health, wealth, and happiness by learning to lead others to health, wealth, and happiness. Go to DougThorpe.com now and order Doug's books or hire him to coach your managers. That's DougThorpe.com. All right, everyone, we're back. Uh, this is Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I'm your host, Doug Thorpe, and I'm talking with um, a new friend, Tom Carresti. Uh Tom is a proven CEO. We we had a, a great talk in the first half about three key questions to be asking yourself, but now I want to turn. You, you see an image in the background. Tom, you wrote a book. Uh, tell us a little bit about the the motivation the the backstory on the creation of that book
1: two you know two motivations one is um as a servant leader i i wanted to serve my community and and give back to them and i always found that you know i read some great books uh, not just from john maxwell but from other you know leaders uh, whether that may have been Giuliani jack welsh or others uh and i learned a lot through their books and uh, so I wanted to give back to to my community, to to folks that I knew uh, that if they read my book, hopefully they can learn from my mistakes and from my wins as well. Uh, and oddly enough, the the book came about because, as you know, uh, Rodney, who's the uh, public speaking coach for the John Maxwell Group, he says, "Look, you know, when you get up on stage, you have to have personal stories." Uh, because personal stories a you're not going to forget them that they're your stories so how could you forget them and and b they help you connect with the audience much better so i just listed all these personal stories and i said my goodness i have enough stories to write a book and then i kind of said all right well what are these what are these stories all about what do they tell yeah you know what do they tell and i and i kind of said all right well know here are some stories where things were working in my life and here are some stories where things were not working so well in my life so what did i have in common and this i came up with these four keys about culture vision strategic growth and um a diverse thinking theme and um you know that's how i kind of structured the stories and to, to kind of take some leadership principles in a culture you know what is you know leadership and culture what you know how did they work and illustrated that some of those points with stories and know vision how do you form a vision and and what is the vision good for and illustrated that with some personal stories and etc etc so that's uh that's how the book came about Mm -hmm. and um you know hopefully you enjoy the reading and hopefully
0: you learn from it that's great that's uh, that's really great i'm curious tom in in your humble opinion for the for the decades you were in on the on the front and doing things and maybe time since then have things changed in the business world well look a lot of stuff changed in the business world
1: you and i are not talking in person we're we're, we're in a zoom call you know different parts of the world so um many many things change in the world but human beings are human beings And, and leadership uh, is leadership. And I don't care if you're the, you know, X, Y, G, Z generation, or, you know, baby boomers. um, You you may have different shared values, but you still have shared values. Uh, You may, you may be attracted to a different culture, but you will still be part of a culture. Uh, So technology changes a lot. Uh, You know, business models may change a lot. You know, the way we market is very different. I mean, you know, when I was in consumer goods uh, back in the, you know, 90s and even early 2000s, uh, we had this magic formula. You know, we would do, you know, concepts, write a storyboard after the storyboard, you know, we did a commercial. And then after we tested it, we said we got the right commercial. We would have a formula that said, you know, you have to get at least 65% reach of your customers. And they have to see that commercial at least seven times. You know, 65 reach, 7th frequency was the formula. Well, now marketing is totally different. You have, you know, the, mar- the way you market products now is through social influences. My daughter is a social influencer on, on Instagram and, and she markets products. And, you know, we have direct, uh, you know, direct marketing through all the social media, What's Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, uh, you know, YouTube, uh, Instagram, you, you have all these platforms where, you know, mass advertising on television is not really the way you do it anymore. Uh, it, it's very different. But guess what? Um, even on the, the direct advertising, the way you reach people, the way you move their emotional strings to make a purchase hasn't really changed that much over the years.
0: Yeah. I uh, work with... You know, leaders at all different levels and one of the common complaints I run into is people do, it's true and it is a real thing. People complain about the so-called millennial generation. And when I show up to do coaching, they'll ask me, what do I do about millennials? And my, I've found that I'm a bit of a contrarian on that topic. I say... You don't do anything different. You, you know, they're people, you connect with them. There may be an age difference for sure, but, you know, it's ultimately no different than it was when you were 25 years old in the workplace and the CEO was 55. He had issues with you. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, if you don't think that's true, I always point to the preface <clears throat> in the book Walden Pond by Henry David Thoreau there's a there's a block of text there that reads like the millennial manifesto today I mean you use the words you use the thought you 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 read the spirit it, it would be the millennial manifesto of today but it was written in 1863 <laughs> so I'm 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 you know, not in favor of giving a pass to a CEO who says throws up his hands and says, I don't know what to do with a millennial. Not in favor of that at all. No, look, we each think
1: you're visual. I don't care if they're millennial, XYZ, you know, baby boomers. Something's gonna trigger to motivate them.
0: Yeah. Uh, I don't know <laughs> what that is.
1: So um, but when you find that trigger of how do you motivate you know motivate that individual. Um, you know, a 20, 21 year old is gonna work just as hard as a as a 40 or 50 year old. Uh but you have to, you know, maybe their cause is very different, you know. Um maybe their cause is about uh you know saving the environment. Um and then you're delivering products that you know help save the environment. And that's what it's you know, individuals' cause is. Uh, you know, maybe the individual's cause is, you know saving uh you know human trafficking uh of, of women I, mean, I don't know maybe uh, you know maybe it's one of those causes maybe it's a you know a business cause because every individual is different but i, I think i don't care what what age they are you will find the trigger to motivate that individual and and really ha- have that individual buy into you and buy into the cause and and then that individual will excel
0: I, I would like to shift the table a little bit and and put the focus a little more on the guy that's out there trying to create a privately owned business. And I do work with people trying to help owners move from what I call the founder mind to the CEO. So um, would like your thoughts on that you know, independent owner operator that's trying to build a business, but hasn't thought about what it's going to take to really become the CEO of some kind of enterprise. And if, you know, if, if a guy can't make that shift and pivot, the business is never going to grow any bigger than they are, you know, kind of like back to John again, the lid is going to be there. And if you can't lift the lid, you're, you're not going to keep advancing and growing. Well, let me quote a different guy than John. This time,
1: let me quote Stephen Covey. Start with the end in mind. Right. And, and, and many entrepreneurs kind of don't start with him. I mean, I, I was just on a podcast yesterday um, and it was really about uh, mergers and acquisition topics. And um, when you start a business, kind of have a, a mindset to say, okay, how do I exit this business? Right? Uh When do I want to exit it? At, at what stage? Um, you know, is it always going to be a family owned business? And do my kids want to take it over? Um, do I want to exit it by privately selling it to another company? Do I want to exit it by going public? Um, uh, you know, have kind of a, 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 realistic, um, you know, goal for yourself to say, okay, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, how am I exit ex- exiting this, this company? Uh, and then what does that look like? What does that vision look like? Because vision is not, you know, Dave, um uh they they martin says it the best he says do you have a cathedral vision and and by definition cathedrals in europe took hundreds of years to build and the guy that designed it was the architect never lived to see the uh the end result so um do you have a cathedral vision for you know your company um and, and what does that look like what does that look like 25 30 years in it and then you know, what does your strategic plan look like to get to, you know, each, you know, year one, year two, year three, year five, year eight, you know, how is your strategy building that growth to reach that and continue to put you on that path towards that that vision? Um, and, um, you know, I- I- if you follow that, um, you'll you'll quickly figure out that, look, as most entrepreneurs, they think they're superheroes. They think they can do everything. You know, just, if I just had 25 hours in a day instead of 24, you know, I'll, I'll make it go. And, um, you know, you just have to kind of take a step back and to say, look, what are my strengths? You know, where do I bring value to the equation and, and who do I surround myself with, uh, on my inner circle on my team that will complement me of the things that I'm not good at And, and how do I build that team and how does that team deliver on that strategy towards that, you know, journey for, for, for the vision. Um, So, so if you kind of go in that, you know, mindset and that, you know, I, I don't want to plug the book for C-suite and beyond, and the four keys to leadership success, but you know, that's, you know, the, the two of the keys is, is vision and strategic growth and how those two work in combination with each other. uh, And again, how to build a diverse thinking team together, how to put a diverse thinking uh, team together. So those are, those are, those are all there. And if you're an entrepreneur kind of lay that out uh, before you ever get started. Um, and also answer those three questions that I asked at the beginning of the show, you know, what are you passionate about? What are you good at? You know, yep. you better be passionate about whatever you're starting up, um, and make sure that passion is, uh, sustainable over three or three, five, 10, 15 years down the road.
0: Well, I, I agree with you totally, Tom, that begin with the end in mind is a huge idea that, uh, many entrepreneurs don't take the time to start with, um, any other elements around that theme or others that the small business owner could use to make themselves more effective as a leader in their business?
1: Well, I think for a small business owner, the one one of the things that um, is very crucial to grow your business is again, put together a diverse thinking theme. You
0: know,
1: in a larger organization, you may get away with um, not putting that together, but in a small organization it's essential. Uh, because uh, mistakes really get amplified in a, in a, in a small organization. And um, many uh, people, especially small organizational people, they they tend to like to surround themselves with like individuals, you know, uh, people that think like them, people that act like them, they call it chemistry. But the danger for that is because if you all think alike and you, and you all act alike, you're going to have the same blind spots and you're going to be open to uh, making the same mistakes. So it's essential that a small business owner, um, opens their thinking and make sure that they they put together a diverse theme. And uh, when a divert, you know, when we talk about, I, I'm a big advocate of diversity, but not diversity of skin color or gender or something like that. Diversity of thought. Uh, now, obviously, you know, if you put a person from Brazil or Zimbabwe or Germany or you know Texas together in a room, they they will view the world a little bit differently. So they'll have different ways of of looking at it. Uh, so part of that is that. Uh, but it's more like, you know, are you an analytical person or are you a more touchy feely, you know, tree hugging person, or are you a more an action, you know, oriented decision making individual. Um, so you, you have to have that balance because, you know, for example, if you surround yourself with all decision-making, you know, quick acting individuals, you know, the high D's in the, uh, in the disc world, um, you may make a decision and, and implement the project, which is the wrong project, um. So have an analytical person on your team that can analyze it and say, you know, well, you know, let's look at it this way. Let's look at it that way. Because look, you may still, um, you're going to start off with the same problem. So you're going to have individuals in a room, but they will view that problem and the solution of problem differently. And wouldn't it be wonderful to have five, six, seven solutions in a room where you pick the right one out of that six or seven, rather than just having maybe one or two solutions in the room because you're all thinking alike right, to that same problem.
0: You know, that's a really profound way of putting it. I sometimes have talked with people when we uh, we try to look at an owner's organization. So the company's in flight. They've, they've been in operation for a couple of years when I get called in to talk to them. And we start looking at the staffing and, and the owner will be sitting there going, I'm just not happy. My team's just not hitting all the cylinders I want them to. And we start breaking down, well, who's this person? Who's that person? Where'd they come from? What do they know? And you're right. Inevitably, it's um, number one, it might be friends and family. And that's, that's trouble that needs to be properly dealt with. Not saying it's universally unilaterally bad, but sometimes when we're talking about trying to grow to the next level, that person just doesn't have the capacity to go to that next level. And the tough call has to be made to redesign, re-engineer, and, and possibly move them out of the picture. But um, I like your idea about, you know, really focusing on and searching for that diversity of thought to be able to make a, a better, more well-rounded assessment of opportunities that may be coming down the road.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: I love it. Well, Tom, I think we're about up on time here. This has been a a joy for me. I I certainly believe the listeners are going to enjoy it as well. How can people get a hold of you if they're interested in following up after the show's over? Well, I'm cursed. I'm
1: blessed with a unique last name. You know, everybody has difficulty pronouncing it. But the good news is if you look for Karesti on the Internet, you know, you just Google my name, you'll find myself, my two daughters and my sister. That's about it. Uh, so it's easy enough to find me on LinkedIn. That's probably the easiest uh, you know, place to start. Um, you'll find my also my website by Googling my last name. Uh, you can go to Amazon, Google my last name. You'll find the book, C-Suite and Beyond. And I think Barnes & Noble and some other online retailers have it as well. So it's pretty easy to track down. I have a quote-unquote open-door policy, so just reach out to me. Uh, drop me a note and uh say, hey, you know, Tom, I'd like to talk to you about something for 10 or 15 minutes. Just, you know, get your idea on And and I'm happy to jump on a call, invest 10, 15 minutes of my time to speak to you. Uh, maybe I can help you, maybe I can't. I don't know, but it's worth my 10 minutes and it's worth your 10 minutes to do so.
0: Yeah, it sounds good. Well, Tom, again, thank you so much for taking time out to to join us. And uh it's been a pleasure having you here with us. Thank you so much. Have a great day, Doug. Yeah, well, everyone, we're going to uh, put a wrap on it now. I want to remind you, if you're listening on an audio channel, we do have the show over on video at YouTube with the uh, channel by the same name, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I do want to announce the opening of a uh, Facebook group that I've started up. It is uh, topic. The topic focus is founder to CEO, it's that uh, concept that I am touched on during the show here that I know small business owners, if they truly want to grow and scale their business to some higher level, they're inevitably going to hit an invisible wall of uh, the difference between their own understanding of management and what it's really going to take to be a leader of that enterprise. So um, take a look in the show notes here. You'll find a link to that group on Facebook. I invite you to hop over, join in. And join the discussion there. It's just launched, so you're, for a time here, you're not going to see a lot of folks there, but please be an early adopter. Join in and join the discussions we hope to have there, and there'll be other announcements about opportunities to share. But for now, we're going to say goodbye. Thank you for listening in. Hope to see you again real soon.
1: You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit
0: DougThorpe.com.